Thank you guys. Praise team. Appreciate the music this morning and uh, just being able to sing these praises to our Lord and Savior and, and to just enjoy that aspect of worship, a very important part of worship. And I hope that uh, you enjoy that each, each and every week. Um, last time that uh, we, were, we were, well, besides Resurrection Morning, we started looking at some characteristics of an elder. And I really do want to get through these uh, before I depart at the end of May. Uh, and I, I hopefully have a couple of other weeks to, uh, to share just from my heart, uh, my love for, for, for you all. Um, but I, I, I just really want us to look at these characteristics. In, in, a, in a, not too long from now, you are going to nominate and elect new elders. Actually, elders have been nominated. And, and you as a congregation are going to have a chance to vote and, and bring in uh, more leadership, which, which I think will be a benefit, not taking anything away from John and Clifton, but, but it will be a benefit to, to them and to the entire church body. And so I think it's important that we understand these characteristics. Now, if you remember, the very first one was being blameless. And I think that was first for a very specific reason. You'll even see it today. That blameless kind of is the umbrella of all the others. And if you're blameless, then chances are you're going to be able to meet all these other characteristics. Those characteristics are going to be a part of your life. And you're going to see today, as we look at a couple of these, that if these are a part of your life, then you're not really blameless. Now, I'm not trying to disqualify. That's not my role. Uh, because God is an awesome God. God is a forgiving God. And, and there is sin that can come and that can go and be gone forever. Uh, but, but we do need to look at all of these characteristics. And remember again, I want to share this, that this is not just for elders. I want you to realize that if we as a church congregation, all of us, men, women, children, if all of us, develop these characteristics in our lives, then, excuse me, we can be a strong church spiritually. And I'm telling you what, only God knows how much we need strong spiritual churches in our world, in our country today. We definitely need churches that are, are committed to Jesus Christ, committed to his word. And, and if all of us can develop these characteristics, then that's just going to strengthen the whole body. And so I, I want all of us to pay, even if you're not a candidate for an elder, I want all of us to pay attention uh, to these words and, and to take them to heart, to take them personally, and to make it a personal goal to, to really strive to develop these characteristics for our own lives. Let's pray, and then we're going to get right to it. We're looking at verse 6 today, just one verse, and, and looking at some very important characteristics. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the instruction, the teaching, the direction, everything that your word gives us. And God, I just ask today that you would just help us to, to take these words seriously. And uh, if, if it brings conviction, then, then God... And let it bring with that conviction whatever change that needs to happen so that we can be what you would have us to be, so that Weasburg Christian Church can be the congregation of your church that you want it to be. 
So speak to us now, Father. I just ask that you would be the message of the messenger. Speak to my heart, all of our hearts, and just help us to take these words to heart and apply them to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's just read through verse 6. I, I, I read through all the uh, characteristics last time, and, and we will continue to go through these. And So verse 6 says of, of Titus chapter 1, An elder must be blameless, the husband of but one wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. So what I want us to do today is look at these last two characteristics that we see in verse 6. And the first one says, must be the husband of but one wife. Now the actual Greek translation, and you probably have heard this before, if you have studied the Timothy passage or the Titus passage here, you have probably come across this phrase that the actual Greek translation is a one-woman man. And of all the characteristics of an elder, this, I will readily say, is the most vague. It is the one that has been discussed the most in, in religious circles, in uh, theological circles, in, in circles of all kinds. It's the one characteristic, one qualification, if you want to call them that, that really seems to, to baffle uh, almost everybody. You see, scholars differ on whether this was polygamy, which was going on in uh, New Testament times, or is it divorce, or is it both? And you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not an authority. I don't know that we have any authority because we see a one-woman man. So I don't know that we need to wrestle with all of those types of things. I think the key goes back to the very first characteristic, blameless. And if we're blameless, then we can be a one-woman man. Now, ladies, you're going, you said this all applies to me. Well, you be a one-man one woman. Yeah. I want to make sure I got that right. <laughs> you, you be faithful to your man. Was it the old, it was it Loretta Lynn, whoever, stand by your man? <laughs> See, I'm, I'm, I'm going back to Kentucky. I'm, I'm working on my country music a little bit. But uh, uh, stand by your man. And, and you know, that's, that's true. Both men and women, we need to stand by the one that God gave us. And there needs to be that, that blameless aspect. I like what John MacArthur wrote about this. He said it refers to the singularity of a man's faithfulness to the woman who is his wife. And again, that blameless character comes right into play. Now, this characteristic, and here's where I want us to really focus on, not necessarily get all caught up in the divorce polygamy debate, because I think it's bigger than that, even. And I think if you are in a, in, a, in a category of divorce, then that's going to be a decision that you and God are going to have to, to weigh out. But I think the bigger, bigger issue is this next sub-point. And that's this. This characteristic involves sexual purity. If you think sexual purity is not a problem in our world, your head is in the sand officially. 
If you don't believe me, go home and watch TV. It doesn't matter what channel. The Disney Channel. I'm sorry. But all of them have corrupt stuff, junk on them. The commercials are even worse many times. You know, I, I used to try to, you know, fly through the show, but then the commercials are worse than the show. So what do you do? Probably just leave it off would be best for all of us. But, but this world is full of sexual impurity. It is, it is just inundated with, with horrible, horrible stuff. Now turn back to Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 and 28. Matthew chapter 5. Now you, you remember this passage. This is a passage that I shared uh, a while back when I went through the Sermon on the Mount. This is a part of that Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached. And Jesus, as I said back then in that Sermon on the Mount, he covers every aspect of our lives in this one sermon. He, he's amazing how he was able to do that. But notice what we read in, in verse 27 and 28 of, of Matthew chapter 5. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. <sighs> there you go. There, there's the standard. We talk about the standard a lot. There Jesus is set the standard for us as believers, for us as Christians. A godly leader must be sexually pure. But let me just say this. Every believer must be sexually pure. That's just a given. That's just a given. Now, if you're not, don't, don't go home and say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going straight to hell. No. You go home and you repent. Are you going to do that here? I, that's up to you. But, you. but you talk to God about it this afternoon. Don't let this day pass. You know, and God knows. And that's all that matters, ultimately. But if, there's, if there is sexual impurity in your life, you need to get that out today. Do not go to bed tonight without repenting of this, confessing that sin to God. And I mean, honestly, getting rid of it so that you can be the pure, clean vessel that God wants you to be. You see, a godly leader must be sexually pure inwardly and outwardly. If he's inwardly, then chances are really good he's going to be outwardly pure because it all starts in the heart. Now, just a reminder again, this is for all of us, not just, not just the elders. I want all of us as an entire congregation to, to look at ourselves, men, women, and children, to look at ourselves and find out where, how we're doing in this area. If you lust after other women, men, you are not a one woman man. Now that, that's, that's not me, that's the Lord speaking. That's his word. That is God's word. Let's look at another passage. This one's over in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 through 20. Paul is writing the church at Corinth, and it's kind of ironic because Corinth is one of the most wicked cities on the face of the earth at this time that Paul is writing. They, they had all kinds of sexual impurity. They even had religions of, of sexual orgies. I mean, horrible things that I don't even want to get into. It's just, just disgusting.
terrible, terrible things. And so Paul says to the Christians, to the believers there, he says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Now, David and the Bible, as we know, did a terrible sin. He saw this woman taking a bath. He should have been at war with the guys, but he stayed home. Saw this woman taking a bath, and he says, I want her. As king, he gets whatever he wants. They bring her to him. They have relations. She gets pregnant. He goes, uh-oh. So he brings her husband home from war, gets him drunk. <laughs> now go have a great time with your wife. The guy sleeps outside the house on the front porch. Next day, gets, gets him really drunk. And the same thing, sleeps on the front porch. He goes, okay, what am I going to do? I put him on the front line, and everybody take five steps back. And he gets killed. So David, whew, in a short amount of time, he's got some what we would call major sins accumulating. They're stacking up pretty deep. But through it all, I want you to hear this. And he was known the rest of his life for this sin. This sin followed him the rest of his life. But nonetheless, and here's where our hope lies. Nonetheless, God forgave him of that sin. In fact, we read in several places, both Old and New Testament, that, that David was a man after God's own heart. So don't despair if, if you are caught up in, in this, in this uh, sin. Don't despair. Repent of it, truly repent of it, seek forgiveness and seek to get out of it and, and get out of it. Get rid of whatever you need to do to, to get rid of, whether it's the internet, whether it's television, whether it's books, whatever it might be. Get it out of your life, get it out of your system so that you can live the life God would have you to live. And he too can forgive you just like he forgave David. You see, David, unfortunately, after this sin, was no longer blameless. Remember I said, I said that word also meant unaccused? He was no longer unaccused. After this terrible sin with Bathsheba and all the sins that followed, he was no longer blameless. But he still was a godly man. He still repented. He repented. Oh, how he repented. Oh, my goodness, how he repented. And how... He truly turned things around. Scripture is very clear that only a sexually pure and faithful man is qualified to be an elder and an example for others to follow. It's very clear. It is very clear. And again, all of us, all of us should strive to be pure. If there's a show that uh, you invited Jesus to sit down and watch with you and he wouldn't watch it, then why are you watching? If there's a book that you would say, hey, let's have a book club, Jesus, and he would say, no, nah, I'm not reading that book, then why are you reading that book? And on and on and on and on we could go. If there's things on the internet 
that you would not want Jesus to see? Why in the world are you looking at it? And so we need to really take our Christianity, our relationship with God. Folks, don't forget what God did for you. And so whatever it is in your life, again, as a whole congregation, a pure congregation, oh my goodness, I can only see, I can only imagine what God will do. So we, we need to set the example for all those around us. We truly, truly do. Now, <coughs> excuse me. Secondly, we must be a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. I think that's the longest point I have ever written down. But I just, just wrote the scripture out what I did. Must be a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Now kids, I want your attention. I'm talking kids from old 50 and below. No, 80 and below. All right. But especially you, you younger, 21, will say and below. A man's children usually tells much about the man. That's just, I think, a given. A man's children usually tells much about the man. Now, I've heard it all my life being a preacher's kid because my dad was a preacher for over 40 years before he died. I've heard it all my boy and preacher kids. I'm telling you what. They're, in, they're just into everything. And I said, yes, and we learned it from the elders kids. <laughs> so, so, you know, we, gotta, we are all on the same playing field here. All right? We're all in the same boat. And we need to be very, very careful. To find out if a man is qualified to lead in a church ministry as an elder. Look at the impact and influence that he has had on his own children. I think that will tell and speak volume. Because you see, a man who cannot spiritually lead his own family, honestly, scripturally, is not qualified to lead a congregation. How can you lead an entire congregation if you can't even lead your own family? If your kids are, as described here, wild and, and disobedient. You see, the children are to be believers. Must be a man whose children believe. The children are to be believers. They are to be Christians. These are, are, are those children that have accepted Christ as their Savior. Jesus is in their hearts. And it, it all started from the influence at home with dad and mom. Not necessarily anybody in the church. It starts at home. And so, parents, it's important that you instill this into, into your children. Let me, let me take you to another scripture. Over in 1 Timothy chapter 3, it's real close to Titus. So if you kind of have your finger on Titus, just turn a few pages. Uh, you'll come to 1 Timothy. Notice chapter 3, verse 4 and 5. Again, this is, this is 
the, the, uh, the New Testament or Timothy description of the elder. Paul wrote Timothy, Paul wrote Titus. Many of these things are almost the exact same, but he goes in just a little bit more detail as he writes to Timothy. In verse 4 he says, He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. Now, if anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? See, I'm telling you, it's not from me, it's from God's word. If you can't manage your, your own family, how can you even begin to pretend to manage God's church? And so it is, it is important that the children are believers. And I just want to say this. Parents, the most important thing you will ever do for your children is introduce them to Christ and then by your godly example, lead them to Christ. And I mean that with all my heart. If we are expecting a generation behind us to continue the gospel of Jesus Christ, if we are expecting our, our, the, the generations behind us, we as parents have to begin at home. We have to teach them. We have to instill in them. We need to, we need to, to share with them often. We, it needs to be in conversation daily. And just set the example. Now, I'm preaching to myself because I don't always set the best example at home. I'm working on it, and I've talked to Denise and Saul about it. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get better. We all have moments of failure. We do. But nonetheless, it's something that we really need to put at the top of our priority list, that we be the best godly parents we can be. Notice this next, in, in our actual text here in Titus, not open to the charge of being wild. Now the Greek word for wild refers to drunken partying. Today we would call them, in our modern language, a party animal. You, you've heard that, I'm sure, uh, through movies and different, different areas, a party animal. That's what this word wild is referring to. If an elder or a church leader uh, and, and your, your child is in the newspaper under the uh, police report on several occasions, then, then what is that doing to your credibility, Dad, Mom? What is that showing the, the community of your parenting? And so we, we need to truly look at this and, and take it very, very serious. And then disobedient. You see, this word re refers to rebellious a rebellious attitude, a rebelliousness. It's, it's, it's saying, you can't make me. Now, I, I, I just cringe, and I've heard kids say to their parents, well, you can't make me, and I, I, I've got to tell you something. It's all I can do to refrain myself from getting in their face saying, oh, yeah? <laughs> According to Scripture, you shouldn't even have that attitude. Now, kids, I want to talk to you guys a minute. I'm going to just sit right here, and I want to talk to you guys a minute. 
Would you want to disqualify your mom, your dad in some horrible way, making them look like a bad... I want your eyes up here. All of you. Come on. I'm talking to you. Do you want to disqualify your dad from, maybe from being an elder or, or disqualify your parents from, from... They're known as Christians and yet by your attitudes because of your, your rebelliousness and that kind of stuff, even maybe what you're doing, what you're wearing, on and on and on. It's not right. Be careful. And parents, my turn to talk to you. If you need to put your foot down, put your foot down. Have you not read Proverbs? Have you not read all the times that it says what happens when you spoil a child? I'm, I'm not trying to, to jump down anybody's throat. But at the same time, I want us all to understand how serious this is. Whether you're ever going to be an elder or not, how serious the church needs to be different from the world. We've got to. And, and honestly, it starts at home. It starts at home. And then we, we bring that here and we worship together and we learn from each other and we learn from God's word and we take that and we grow. But it all honestly starts at home. And trust me, I am preaching to myself. I forgot the steel toe shoes and my toes are hurting right now. So we need to be very, very careful. You see, a godly dad will follow Jesus' instructions in Matthew 5. I'm not going to go back and read it, but I'll tell you about it. He will let his light shine. He will be the salt. He will lead by example his children to Christ. So dads, there you go. If I was going to be here on Father's Day, I'd probably make this a Father's Day sermon. But dads, here you go. And, and, and I know some of you, well, you know, my kids are grown. Well, you can still have an incredible influence on those grown kids. You really can. You can still minister to them and, and encourage them and, and instruct them and, and advise them and help them and take God's word and, and let it speak volumes to them. I can't find any place in scripture where we ever stop parenting. Sorry, God. <laughs> We're parents forever. As long as, as we are on this earth and our children are on this earth, we, we are parents, and it's important to, to share and to teach them. And all of us, even if, if there are no children in your family, there's nieces and nephews, there's others, there's neighborhood children, you'd be surprised how you still can be such a positive, holy, and Christian influence on those around you. And that's what I encourage all of us to do. There you have them. I mean, there's, I don't know what else to say except this. Don't despair if the blameless has gone out the window today. Don't despair. You may not be blameless as, as you were. Maybe you realize some things now. 
But you know what? We come to this point every week, and it's for a reason. It's not just something that I'm under contract to do with Williamsburg Christian Church. It has nothing to do with that. It is something that we need to do. I think every time we are in a setting like this, whether it be a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening or whenever, but that we we just offer an invitation. And maybe there's someone here this morning that says, wow, I've not been as pure as I can be. It's going to take a lot of going to take a lot of guts for you to step out and come down this aisle, but it's going to be the biggest and best steps you've ever made in your life, I promise. Because what you're going to have is a support group that can gather around you and pray with you and help you, restore you. We can even get you into a further counseling if, if you need that. This sexual sin is becoming a huge sexual addiction is becoming one of the biggest addictions in the United States of America. It's very serious. And unfortunately, it's, it's almost as prominent within Christianity as it is in the world. So if this is an area in your life that you just need to repent of, don't hesitate. Come down. and Let's, let's pray together. Oh, I'm not here to condemn you. Nobody's here to condemn you. If, if your parenting skills have have uh, not been what you know they should be, and you want to just repent. Maybe you want to, maybe you want to just meet with your son or daughter or children this afternoon and say, "I'm sorry. Been a bad dad, or I've been a bad mom, and I just want to make things right, and I want us to to be a godly family." <laughs> oh, wow! For you young parents, we have parents with with children downstairs and different. Wow, what a great opportunity for you to even today say, I'm gonna, I'm, as of right now, I'm going to turn things around and I'm going to really try to instill into my young one God, His Word. So there's several opportunities for you to respond. And even if you don't come down the aisle, I certainly encourage that. But if you just you can't do that, then please, where you're at, make, make restitution with God. So that your relationship with him can be blameless yet again. Because you remember, he forgives and forgets. He remembers our sins no longer as far as the east is from the west. You ever try to figure that one out? I tried and I gave up. Can't do it. So you see, we don't forget. We all, oh God, he forgets. And he starts over. We have that chance to start over. So if you need a new start this morning, stand up right now. Everybody, stand up. And let's just, let's just sing this song. If you're thirsty, if you really want the righteousness of God, if you really want to be right with God, if you're thirsting, if you're desiring that, then this invitation is for you, whether you are young or old. Let's make God what He wants us to be.